Welcome to the Chirpin' Birds podcast. The Eagles drop their final game of the season to the New York Giants, 27-10. Their fifth game, and out of six, they lose. They limp into the playoffs. Jalen dislocated his middle finger. A.J. Brown is not practicing because of his knee. DeAndre Swift is still sick, question mark. Um, He also missed the Giants game. A lot of coaches have been fired, and the Eagles prepare for their wildcard playoff matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Before we get started, Mike, how you doing? You know, it's a tough time to be an Eagles fan right now, but I'm doing okay, despite all that. Um... And, you know, if, if you are looking for good news, it is that DeAndre Swift is uh, back. He's practicing, no longer sick. So if there's nothing else to take away from this podcast to give you hope, it should be a little bit of that. Because uh, in week three, he had a really good game against the Buccaneers. So Eagles got that going for themselves. So... Do I have this right? You're you're going to be Mr. Optimism this podcast? I think reluctantly, but I'm not going to be blindly optimistic. I just need to know what we're getting into. I'm not going to be blindly optimistic. I think there's, um, you know, what what happened, how they ended the season, how how they ended the regular season. Like, I mean, this has been a train wreck. I, who would have thought at 10-1 and one, you could have leaped in time to the end of the season, found out that we're, we, there's still a playoff game in the first round of the playoffs. You're like, okay, maybe things didn't go excellently. To hear that they lost 5 of 6, I don't even think does it justice to how bad things feel at the moment. Like, they can't even lose normally. They're, like, losing in catastrophic form. And it seems like there's not even, like, positive things to take away from these games. Like, you you, you get uh, shut out in the first half against the Giants, 24 to nothing. And, oh, by the way, your starting quarterback's uh, hand is jacked up and your star wide receiver, like was lying on the field in pain. There's just not a lot of good stuff happening right now. And we're seeing the same quotes that we saw after each of the last few losses. They're, they're, they still have pride. They still believe they can turn it around. The, the new thing from this week is uh, we've been waiting for the playoffs since the Super Bowl. Like, you know, we'll get up for the playoffs, this and that. Fletcher Cox has some questionable word choice. And uh, oh, What was that? I'm not sure if I caught that. What did the, he say? He, he basically, I don't have the exact quote, but he was basically saying, like, this is, this is not good. And a few weeks ago he said, something like we'll see we'll see what we're made of and we'll see who's committed and who's not that kind of thing um 
he uh i think has been the least like positive and he doesn't talk much throughout the week so i think you can chalk up some of his comments to post-game frustration maybe that's why the the you know news cycle hasn't picked up him specifically but he he sound pretty uh pretty dire um from what i've heard from beat writers what it's like in the locker room after these games is not good it's it's uh falling on on uh it's falling short of of being believable now that that this team will turn it around and i think it's because the the things that ailed the team are not for lack of at least on offense lack of talent or lack of personnel like they have the team and they're not playing with pride they're not playing with attention to detail they're not playing like they want to be there Jalen has sort of changed his um aura I don't know what you want to say in in uh in media availabilities he's He's been short. He's been um, just kind of a different type of um, a, a different. He's had a different presence. I've I've felt since the Bills game, and his coachisms or whatever you want to say are are not landing. Um, a lot of these things obviously don't land when you're losing. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. Like he, When he's winning, and to give him credit, most of his career thus far has been winning, he has a quiet confidence, and that's, that's how he carries himself. He's, he's like the antithesis of Nick Sirianni. Like he is uh, not getting too high, not getting too low. He's got a quiet confidence, and... I would say his demeanor doesn't change that much, at least to my eyes, when they lose. It's just, it doesn't ring the same. It's like uh, a quiet, um, you know, that quiet demeanor or like the the understated demeanor, I think it comes off across, you know, when he's winning and it's it comes across as, comes across as confident. When they're losing, it comes across as uh, like... Not, I wouldn't say arrogant, but like a little bit uh, reclusive, not wanting to say more than he has to. So, so much of it to me is just like, you know, when it when when it's coming after a win, it comes in a different light. When it comes after a loss, like again, I don't think it's that different. It just you know, after a loss, it sucks. It stings. Like. I don't, to me, he seems like the same old Jalen. It's just it's in the one of the most epic collapses in like you know my sports life. So, as far as blame goes, I mean the players aren't executing, the coaches aren't uh, necessarily putting them in positions to win. At least that's how it how it seems. 
I I think we could you know talk all day about the defense and you know, specific players on the defense and if they're good enough and if Howie signed enough guys you know Justin Evans Nicholas Morrow or those uh, the 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 signings going into the season that you know we should have expected this obviously Justin Evans had been hurt for weeks and weeks and hasn't played and he was the day one starting uh one of the starting safeties anyway i i think nick and nick and jalen are the the top two people to talk about at the at the moment and we recorded before aj brown made his locker room comments which seemed to have weather the storm slightly in the middle of uh in between games so we recorded before that and i know i i mentioned that nick seems to have lost the locker room and that's obviously not good for him keeping his job i there's been a lot of nick and getting fired talk especially with different coaches now becoming available i i'm curious your you mentioned nick and and jalen and their demeanors i'm i'm curious because to me jalen being a a leader by example being a more reserved guy and nick being how he is they don't to me compliment each other like it doesn't seem like Jalen has a short like not that Jalen doesn't have shortcomings but he doesn't have shortcomings in a way that Nick compliments and makes him better I feel like they both sort of just have their personalities exist and at times when they're winning especially it's fun that Nick's like just like us and he's a football fan and he wants the Eagles to win and the assistant coaches have to pull him back from the sideline and all those things and Jalen from what we see not being on the sideline and very limited to the broadcast after an interception or a bad series the camera always shows Jalen just sitting by himself, not really talking uh, to anyone. Now, I, I I realize that he does get up and talk and this and that, but they have much different approaches. And I'm curious, what what's your thought on their different personalities and how they go, you know, how, how they sort of... Um, exist within the team because to me they they seem just like two separate things existing and they're not really complementing each other or uh you know Jalen could be more vocal um there was an article about his leadership and not not being the guy to talk to people like Malcolm Jenkins would call people out and that kind of thing and Nick seems to be like a wild crazy person (laughs) a lot of the time and I, I'm not sure that as a head coach quarterback duo, obviously today Belichick and, and the Patriots parted ways and Belichick and Brady 
you know, were a unit and Andy and Patrick Mahomes and Andy and McNabb and, and, um, you know, these coach quarterback duos, they don't seem like not two peas in a pod, but like partners in, in winning as much as some of these other coaches. So I agree on the point of their personalities seeming to be, uh, like the inverse of each other, but like, I think that's perfectly fine. I think what I would be more concerned about and what we've seen for the past month and a half and really even like the, uh, yeah, I guess we can just keep it at that the last month and a half, like where the real concern for me lies is Nick not seeming to have like the keys or the answers to make life easier for Jalen. Like, I, I think it's pretty clear that Jalen has not had a season. Like, he, he's taken a dip this year. And you could say some of that's due to the lingering injuries or whatever from the first half of the year. But, like, for me, it's more of an on-the-field issue. Like, it seems like, for whatever reason whatever made last year so easy for the Eagles and Jalen this year that has uh, quickly evaporated. And, you know, I, I think it's fair to question Nick's ability to uh, continue to, to, to continue to develop Jalen at that rate. Like it just, there's, there's been clear and obvious shortcomings on the field. Like last week, you know, everybody's talked about, going up against the Giants and Wake Martindale, who's now a free agent coach, you know, the only one of the only things you have to prepare your offense for is handling the blitz. And they blitzed all day long and all day long they didn't have any answers for it. And Jalen, you know, in the process got his hand injury because of that. It's it's stuff like that that would concern me more than the the personalities. I I do think we, as fans, need to remember that when the camera is rolling, there is a a bit of a show of personality when it's media availability, when they're talking in the press conference. Like I think when you when you get that inside access of like after the game, and you hear the locker room speech and breaking the huddle down, like that's, and we're not we're not going to see a lot of that, but like. I do get the sense that there is a real bond between Jalen and Nick. And I think it's certainly been tested, you know, the past month and a half because, you know, losing sucks and this losing hasn't been easy. It's It's been really obvious and frustrating and it's it's happened at the worst time you could have it in the season short of the playoffs. So, like, I, I do think there might be a little bit more tension there. And, you know, that's that's deserved for both of those uh, parties. But, like, I, I I think the personality stuff, like, they're both authentic and true to themselves. And I, that, that, hasn't, that wasn't an issue last year. Like, if we're talking, uh, you know, the personality traits. But to me, it's more of the on-the-field stuff. Like, Nick, just what, what, what's happened with the coaching overall? Uh, but I, I do think it's, you know, it does make me a little nervous that we're in year three 
of Jalen, and Jalen's out there kind of just like looking for guys, and nothing's happening on plays. Like you, you think the offense would be more gelled than it ever was, and it seems like the wheels are kind of uh, rattling off the side right now. I just don't understand how they collapse like this, and when there is a a lack of desire and a lack of drive and attention to detail and all these things, I point or I look to leadership and culture and the those intangible things, and that's why I focus on. You know, Jalen, is he, it's impossible to really know if if you're not around the team all day, but, you know, the stuff with Carson came out, and I don't want to keep comparing the situations because Jalen has played like a top 10 quarterback, even though he's having a down year compared to last year, so... It's it's not the same as far as uh, elite play or you know skill or whatever you want to say, but I I'm not sure like why there's less buy-in and why there's there are these mistakes. And if AJ was telling the truth about the Seattle game and they're being improvisation and not everyone being on the same page reading between the lines throughout the last month or two there's been some odd comments or oddly worded things like Jalen talking about commitment having to to clarify he meant uh, what he meant by that and yeah you know Nick taking the blame for stuff and then AJ saying he's he's protecting us because we messed up and um, stuff like that. So I think that it's this unexplainable thing that's happening to this team that is plaguing them and, and forcing this collapse to happen and, you know the the fact that they made it to the Super Bowl and had the game in their hands up 10 at the half and lost and then had to go back and do it all again you know I I, I wonder if that factors in I wonder if the the grind of a Super Bowl run and then having Super Bowl expectations and for Jalen now with the new contract getting way more attention than he's ever gotten uh, outside of football I don't know if these things factor in and I'm curious I don't know what will come out when the season's over but you know when the offense is stalling for long periods of time, game to game to game, and a defense is kind of not talentless, but outside of the defensive line, pretty um, pretty average to below average. Like, if you're a defense, maybe you're not as, uh, your, your confidence gets hit because you're not sure the offense can bail you out, and then 
you know, you feel more pressure to get stops and the philosophy is off coverage and, you know, the you you let a few completions go and then all of a sudden you're you're reeling because the offense is uh is humming and you're not able to stop it. I, I, I don't know the psychology that goes into all this stuff, but part of the reason why I look to Nick and Jalen's leadership styles and personalities is because we don't we don't really see what is being said to the team and in front of the team you know like Tom Brady would yell and scream at people uh, on the sideline I'm not saying that that's like the only way to go about it but uh, it, it was more visible to see what what was going on and and that kind of thing so I'm not really sure what the answer is, but I, I'm sort of grasping at straws with trying to reason or explain why this collapse is happening after going ten and one. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think it's leaving I mean, a lot of uh, fans. I'm sure people in the building too. You know, like the Novacare. I'm sure it's a it's puzzling a lot of people. I think the this isn't like. You know, this is a very simplified explanation, but I think, you know, the 10 and 1 record starting point is obviously an overstated beginning. You know, I, I think they, um, you know, that's to say that they probably won more games than they should have in that early portion, which means that they were probably also not losing those. So, like, I think we're, you know, they, they had a, an inflated record, and I think. That's not um, crazy to say at this point. And it, it caught up to them. I think... I think that's what it is. Like, they're, the, the turnovers caught up to them. They're... You know, their offense and defense. I mean, like, like, gosh, like, the mileage in the way of... Um, you know, the league catching up to it you know, on both sides. Well, I, I guess the defense was never really hard to crack from the start, but, like, their offense, it is like, you hate to say that, you know, Nick Bosa and his blueprint comments, but, like, it really does seem like uh, somebody got the the Eagles' state secrets on how to, how to stop, like, uh, long downfield, developing routes and short wide receiver bubble screens but a lot a lot needs to be looked at in the offseason unfortunately you know they, they do they do have a game on Monday and I'm not sure between the injuries and all the problems there aside that you know this team <laughs> this team has so many problems it, this this doesn't seem like it is a playoff week and it seems like it's been like a two week eulogy before their season's even over. But like, it's hard not to feel that way. Like, I don't know what this team has in the tank. Like it it seems like they didn't, they didn't feel like playing, um, at least the last two weeks. I, I know that the, the Eagles, they decided to strategically, rest some players last week which made uh, some of the early developments like really bad and unfortunate they uh, t- 
DeAndre Swift, who was sick last week, they rest him. Devontae Smith, who was injured on, uh, I forget which play that was, the, the screen play at the end of the Cardinals game, right? Cardinals. Yeah, we were there for it, yeah, unfortunately. Um, so he, he was resting too. So by the time A.J. Brown on the second drive, he gets hit on the forced fumble bad injury to turnover you know their their offense like oops no playmakers uh and then it just hurts back there like giants get to pin their ears back and just blitz them all day long like that's where it's like all right is this offense really just playmakers like there's no offensive system to like boost the playmaking ability it's just really relying on like uber talented offensive players because I'm not sure if we really need a coach if that's how we're gonna run it. Like we need some added value, and that's that's became clear and clear as the season's gone on. Um, I I just like I I I can excuse the Giants game to. They can't excuse the first uh, half. I can. No, I can't. I, I I can excuse the loss and the not really caring that much, just because of the the cowboy. Like the seed was basically set in stone. The Cowboys were uh, ended up routing the the Commanders. I know that game was in doubt for uh, a yeah, chunk, almost the first half. But I'm right. I all I'm trying to say is the the Cardinals game was much more concerning to me than the Giants game because the Eagles had a chance to clinch the division and the two seed going into that game. Well, or not necessarily the two seed, yeah. but they they you know, knew it was a, a possibility. Strong, they didn't know it was a, an inevitability. A strong a strong chance at the two seed, but definitely clinching the division. And they did get up early, but they, you know, let it slip and and they fell apart. And if they couldn't get up for a half of football to win the division, to be the first back-to-back division winner in over a decade, I don't know how they're going to get up for I think we're on 20 years, game. so make that two decades. Two decades. Two decades. So, and they the Eagles were obviously the last to do it. But if they can't get up to win the division for a half, they played a good first half. They went into the half 21-6 to six and had a pick six. I mean, that's two touchdowns. They pretty much did whatever they wanted. Uh, the, the defense gave up a lot of yards to the Cardinals, but they, they held them to field goals. A half of football they had to get up for. That's that uh, they already were up for the first half. So you know they got to play. And their last home game it ends up for the season most likely. Yeah, which could be the last home game for Jason Kelsey and you know Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. Like who knows? Yeah. So they they couldn't get up for a half of football to win the division. And that is what has stuck with me 
till now. If they can't, you know, you know they already clinched a playoff spot. I, the, the, they'd still have to go to San Francisco. Like I don't know if all these things factor in to the calculus if you know this matters the division matters or not but winning the division is a a major accomplishment and they they felt completely fell apart and i i don't know what to really think about that when you have a chance to you know win a playoff game and it's gonna rain and we'll get into the game, but it's gonna. It looks like it's gonna rain and be really bad weather conditions. Uh, Baker Mayfield's injured, also, so you know this could be a ugly game in a number of ways. But if they can't get up to win the division, I, I, I don't I don't really know what to expect for for a playoff game. You know, I, I, I understand saying, like, oh, this is the playoffs, it's different, this is different now, like, whatever happened during the last few games, now now we're focused, this and that. They've been saying that for, for six weeks, so. Right. I, um, I, I'm sort of, you know, beyond, not, I, I'm, I'm not really believing any of that. And to your point about, like, going into the Giants game knowing they were going to blitz the whole game, like teams blitz the Eagles all year and all last year and I get they didn't necessarily have the blueprint last year cuz that was the year where they were the best team in the league this this year they they had more of a book and and teams blitzed the whole season and they haven't adjusted and you know it's not just fans saying oh there's no hot route or the 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 routes are too long developing against the blitz it's like brian baldinger and like people who played or know no football enough you know whether you like them or don't right. like them uh it's it's people that understand football and are criticizing the the scheme mm-hmm. and when I see that stuff, I start to question like the coaching staff um, and and the the players and all these things. So I don't really know what to think about how to fix what's going on. I don't think anyone knows, but that that's all I um, that that that's kind of like where I'm looking at because on the field stuff, if they could clean up the penalties and the miscommunication, all that stuff that I feel like they would have by now. And there seems to be little, little drive to clean those things up. And when I see all that happening week after week at this point in the season, after going 10 and one, and yeah, some the games were ugly at times. They didn't blow anyone out all year. Um, I don't know how many games they won by more than one score. Um, probably only a couple. So I don't know. I just I, I look at that stuff and I I I just I I, I don't know. I, I look to the coach. I look to the culture and the leadership, and that's Nick and Jalen and you know Brian Johnson's getting interviews so. 
maybe the league doesn't think it's him. So yeah, I I'm I'm just sort of in a lost in a lost place with the team, and you know, everyone I talk to that aren't Eagles fans, because in LA there's a lot of non-Eagles fans. Just you know, there's fans of other teams. Everyone's like, oh, they're not gonna lose to the Buccaneers. They gotta beat the Buccaneers. They they couldn't even score a touchdown against the Panthers to win the, their division. And I'm like, you haven't been watching the Eagles in <laughs> six weeks. Well, b- before we uh, turn the page to the playoff game, that's this Monday, uh, two, two things real quick. I want to mention uh, the Sidney Brown injury. He tore his ACL on the MetLife Stadium. I don't know how many more. I, didn't e- I, I don't even remember that play. I think him. I don't. I don't want to. Obviously, this this we haven't fact checked this, but like I feel like at the time that the news came out, it gave me the impression that it happened on like a special teams play. That makes sense. But again, I don't know that for sure. Um, I don't know how many more like significant, uh, and I, I I also don't know this to be true, but I'm assuming it was non-contact. ACL's um, typically a non-contact injury. Your your mind goes to ACL, but obviously not all ACL injuries are non-contact. I don't know how many more like injuries we need to see. How many significant uh, like season-ending injuries we need to see on that life? But like it felt like uh, the odds were against the Eagles that they would leave that game without like. Uh, pretty troubling injury but obviously that's really they had two games in MetLife this year right tough schedule um it's it's unfortunate like Sidney Brown you know he just his uh his pick six gets lost in the in the just depressed the depression that was the the Cardinals game I think he was kind of getting his sea legs as a rookie um obviously this will you know, this is a long-term injury. I think it'll probably set him back well into the Eagles' 2024 season. So it's a really unfortunate injury to have any time. It's really unfortunate time to have an injury of that sort. And, uh, you know, we hope to see him have a quick and healthy recovery. Um, and now the state of the Eagles' safeties, you know, Sidney Brown's out. He wasn't starting, but he was being mixed in as a third safety, as a quasi linebacker. Uh, so that that tool gets taken out of Matt Patricia's tool tool belt, which I don't know if he even has a tool belt still anymore. But um, and you add Reed Blankenship, he's got a groin injury, I believe. He didn't practice today, uh, so the Eagles lose two of their top three safeties. That leaves Kevin Byard. And if Reed Blankenship can't get ready to go, that's that's Tristan McCollum time. And if you're wondering who that is, good. Uh, that's not that's not you being a bad fan. That's the Eagles' safety death just being imaginary, uh, mostly by injury. Um, but a fun fact for this game: his uh, his brothers on the Buccaneers, so it'll be a brother versus brother matchup. Uh, I'm assuming he's going to be uh, active, even if Reed Blankenship is active. But uh, 
yeah, feel bad for Sydney Brown. That's a tough one. Uh, and just so we get it on the record, I know we have plenty of time to talk about it uh, once this off season is officially the off season. But the hot talk around town has been the conversations and debates about uh, the state of the temperature of Nick's seat. And we can also do the coordinators. So we'll keep it brief here, but give me your current diagnosis of um, what you think happens as far as the coaches go without spoiling your preview uh, this too much. Rate, at, at, at this rate, um, I think Brian Johnson's going to get a head coaching job. They can't they can't really bring Desai back, so I think it'll be most likely two new coordinators again. Now, did did you but, hear like there's there's been some prognostication of Matt Patricia potentially coming back, but with his own scheme rather than him playing Desai's scheme? I'm just curious if you've heard it. I know it sounds insane. Just curious if you've seen it or read it or I, heard it. I have okay. not. Well, you're better off not ever knowing about I it. <laughs> I don't think it's likely at this point, but uh, yeah, I I think if well for sure if they win if they win this game, Nick will be back next year. I don't I don't see how you can fire a coach making the playoffs three straight years and winning a playoff game this final year. I think if they get boat raced is the only scenario where I can see that they fire him on the season result only. You know, with the Belichick news this morning, I'm not sure, you know, there's rumors oh Belichick might might go to a team that it still has their coach. And that kind of thing, unless, and there's like major ifs with with uh, Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll got fired, but he's apparently staying with the Seahawks. Um, I don't think Vrabel will would be a uh, coach that they would especially seek um, while available. But I could be wrong. I mean, he seems like a uh, since he's a Belichick disciple. I think. Him going to New England would make sense, but and of course not Arthur Smith or Ron Rivera, who were also fired from the Falcons and the and the Commanders respectively. So Bill Belichick is a if if like Jeff Laurie is is very set on a major culture change, and this is a big if if. Bill Belichick is okay with only coaching duties and not personnel duties, then I can see a firing to hire Bill Belichick if it's a situation where it's like, this is the guy and he's available for the first time in, what, 24 years? Um, I'm, we're going we're gonna to move on this if he'll come here. That's the only scenario I can see Nick getting fired, not because of the season result, um, necessarily. 
if they lose by a field goal, something like that, like I can see, um, I can see that. Now I don't have any information. I haven't read anything that the Eagles are favoring Bill Belichick. I know Jeffrey Lurie's from the Boston area. I don't think that makes him a, a, a Patriots fan or something like that to want to hire Bill Belichick for that reason. I don't really know where Bill Belichick's originally from. I don't know why Jeff Lurie being from Boston would mean anything in this scenario, but it would be a culture change. It would be a more of a, <coughs> excuse me, it would be more of a hard-ass, like, old-school type coach where, you know, Jalen played under Nick Saban uh, at Oklahoma. What It was Lane Kiffin there. I, I'm not, I don't think he's that type of coach. I, I don't know if, if there's some sort of culture issue. This is another reason I, I, I pointed to that. There's some sort of culture issue that Jeffrey Lurie uh, senses. Well, it's, it's worth, it's then, worth uh, mentioning that before the Eagles hired Nick Sirianni, they were strongly considering Josh McDaniels, who was, um, you know, a longtime right, that's right too. disciple and offensive coordinator. I just that sounds like a an unlikely outcome to me. Like, you know, Bill's got his options. And I'm not saying that the the Eagles are not a tempting. You know, like of course theoretically, this is if the Eagles are without a head coach. Um, I do think they'd be a good option for them if he was interested. But I don't think it's like a one to one. Like, are they good? Cool, I'm coming. Like, he's gonna have his pick of the litter I think and I think teams will likely fawn over him and offer him you know more control than the Eagles would probably be willing to concede uh, just given his recent track record as a GM which has been really bad Um, and I also I'm curious if he I'm sure he would factor in you know the fans and the media like Probably not like tier one considerations, but I don't think he would. I think he would like, you know, I think he'd have a short leash on tolerance for um, the level of crazy for the Philadelphia market. I think in New England, he's kind of, you know, people kind of just assume his genius when in Philadelphia. You know, if if he if <laughs> I'm just imagining like if he lost his first two games, like what sports radio would be saying, like we got the over the hill Belichick. Like <laughs> I I don't know if he'd be eager for that. Um, but your final answer: Do you th- don't give me a condition? I just do you think the Eagles move on from Nick? And then secondarily. Do you want them to move on from Nick? Uh, the first question, no. I think they will keep Nick. Period. Uh-huh. No qualification. I don't think they will fire him. Okay. And do I want? I th- at At the moment, because there's so many things wrong, I don't really know what I, I can't say it's definitely him, 
with the information I have right now, I do not want him fired. Mm-hmm. I I mean, there are like if they fired him and hired Mike Vrabel, I wouldn't be like, oh, this team's lost. Now I thought that when they hired Nick Sirianni. So, what do right. I know? I mean, but coaches are. It's so tough to know, they, like especially when you're looking for the new coach, like who's good. <laughs> like you just look at like I think yeah. the the Eagles were very interested in Arthur Smith, and I, I can't imagine what the clashing between he between he and the Philadelphia media like that would have been historic. Like <laughs> that would have been brutal. <laughs> yeah. It, a lot of things worked out from that period. Like Sirianni was a really good hire, uh, not not trading for Russell Wilson. I mean, they tried yeah, to, that I guess, and well, Russell Wilson blocked it. But they they got lucky in a in a number of right. ways. A week ago, before we knew what all the coaches on the market, that was my thought. Like if they if they even fired Nick, who would they hire? And now we we have some names. But I think unless it's the perfect Bill Belichick situation, I would be curious to see Jalen Hurts playing under Bill Belichick. Really? But I mean, I, I, I would. Not, he's not like even in like, he's not known for his offensive prowess. He's a defensive guy. I know he's a defensive guy, but he, it's from a, it's a culture thing. I mean, I think what's wrong with the team isn't, isn't, uh, necessarily coaching and or it's not necessarily the the player talent or scheme or this or that i think it's a culture issue to me it's like it's the same head coach that that they made it to the super bowl last year i i know it's baffling i think it's way more scheme than personality and culture i think it's that's interesting that you like I'm on the I'm on the opposite side of the fence. This to this to me I mean, seems I, I like I don't know X's and O's enough to say it's definitely scheme. To me, this seems like a team that's reeling in frustration, searching for answers that don't work this year, that worked last year, and they got a different test, and they're they're like, why is this not working? Like these these worked last year, and I think it's because they've became predictable, and they've became exploitable and to me that is way more scheme than personality like if if anything like I, I think one of the good traits of nick is his personality and i know that rubs people or, or rubs opposing fans the wrong way right now it kind of it, it kind of makes us more of a mockery than anything because we're now an easy target of like uh, a guy who would like run around and like yell at opposing fans but I'm fine with that. What I'm not fine with is uh, a lackluster scheme, an offensive system that is just um, very one-dimensional. And I, I, I do think it that is one of the things that you can fix. If anything, I wouldn't want, um, you know, if the personality was that—that's the one thing you can't change. Unfortunately, <laughs> you know, like you, you, you do want these coaches I, to I be offensive. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with his personality. I just think that watching a team not or appear to not be trying as hard and 
and collapsing and and getting so frustrated they're playing poorly and getting dumb penalties and all these things i i think that's a, a culture issue i think that's a locker room issue i i don't if there's buy-in and everyone's playing really hard and and there aren't penalties and there's you know less there aren't really like turnovers there's just like plays are aren't uh team they're and they're getting outplayed but not out coached oh no they've been getting out coached for sure (laughs) right no i'm saying i'm saying that is yeah that that's a that's a culture thing the out the out coaching thing i mean maybe it's a lack of buy-in from the coaches too yeah Uh, so like i you know i'm not saying that they're not doing their homework but maybe the whole team is just burned out from the super bowl run and then getting back into the season but on the other hand it's like it's football and this is what they worked their whole lives for and uh i get the human element but it's it's just tough to accept that this team has collapsed and folded and has a really good chance of losing to a much worse team. Yeah, so just to put a bow on it, I would say I don't think it's quite fair to judge the culture of a team or top-down from a coach on this collapse like and i'm not saying to exclude it from uh the rubric either i I think you gotta look at it in a much bigger um capacity look look at the full body of work and he has brought specifically in regards to nick he's brought this team to the playoffs three out of three years he went to the super bowl last year i think if you put any like if, if you did a simulation with any team and they lost five out of six weeks, including some against some really, really bad teams, like you would see a lot of these same issues. Like these players are frustrated. Like I, I do think the coaches to a certain extent are letting, letting them down. They're not setting them up for success. And I, I think that's where you're like, well, I, I don't even know like what I could do right now because nothing's working. Like I, I think that's a natural reaction. I'm not saying it's good, but I do think you would start to see a lot of those same cracks in any team who has been losing this much all at the same time. And that's not defending it. I just think that's, you know, yeah, of course the team looks really bad right now and they're not having fun and their sound bites sound depressing. It's it's because they're losing. And I think in large part, a lot of that's because of the coaching themselves. So I don't think, I don't think Nick is, know free of blame here i think he a lot of stuff needs to change next year if he's coming back um and just so i get on the record too i I do think both coordinators um whether one gets hired or not i think they got to move on i I, i'm not sure what the offense looks like if you bring nick and brian back i think you do need to have a new voice in a high position and I don't think Lori would be 
sold. I'm just bringing in like an, a new offensive consultant or advisor. Like to me, that's that's a half measure. I think you need to make some sort of clear, uh, different move. And if you're if you're retaining Nick, I think you probably need a new offensive coordinator. So, of course, would love to see uh, Brian Johnson get a new job. That would, you know, open that door. That would also benefit the Eagles and some draft compensation uh, through the the NFL's uh, recent, um, I guess, policy change to incentivize um, the development of minority coaching candidates. So that that would happen in that case, since Brian Johnson's been with the team for the past two years, and that would be a promotion to head coach. Um, now, Nick, I both think he will be back because I, I don't think this is the primary reason you should do it, but it goes back to like three out of three years, made the playoffs, made the Super Bowl last year. I think that's a tough look if you're firing him, like league wide, that looks like you're a bit impulsive. I think that might make coaches think twice about what the leash is if I sign up to be the head coach. Like, goddamn, like, <laughs> the last guy made the playoffs every year and you fired him. Um, now, I'm not saying there there isn't yeah, real concern. I, I agree with that. About how the past month and a half has gone. I think it is alarming. And if he is back, there needs to be clear and obvious changes. He. He cannot run back the same offense and the same scheme. He needs to improve it. He needs to add wrinkles. He probably honestly needs to add motion. Like he's gotta like he's gotta pull on some levers here that he hasn't done yet. Uh, and I do think a new offensive coordinator could help in those regards. Um, I I just feel like it's a little it's a little tough to fire your OC that's getting head coaching interviews. Like there's a, to a lesser degree, but there's an element of what you're saying about firing Nick. It's like what good offensive coordinator is going to want the job if someone's good enough in theory to get a head coaching position. Yeah, maybe. I mean. And they get fired. <laughs> right, but. So I, I think the logic is, is still there, but. Um, I, I'm sure we'll have plenty of coach uh, coordinator talk after the season. Um, we're almost an hour in, so let's get into uh, previewing this game. We did already uh, preview a, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers matchup week three. It was also a Monday night football game on September 25th. The Buccaneers lost to the Eagles 25-11. to in what was probably the Eagles' most dominating performance, I think, of the season. I don't know. I'd have I mean, to go when, back. When you, what but... do you mean by dominating? Like impressive? Because for for talking impressive, I think yeah, it's definitely I mean, the Bills like game. They, they weren't, especially given how the Bills' trajectory uh, changed since that. Yeah, but the, they didn't dominate the Bills. Well, that's why I said, like, do you mean dominating or, like, impressive? Dominating. Okay. 
Yeah, I think by margin the, of the victory. Bills, or the the Bucks only scored eleven right. points. Um, so anyway, Baker Mayfield. I I think he um, he's top three or something in turnover ratio. Uh, he 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 hasn't really turned it over much this year. So, and the the Eagles defense has not forced many turnovers. So. Uh, I'm not expecting many turnovers in this game. He he also did not practice today due to rib and ankle injuries. I I think really what what the focus of this offense is is Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. The the O line is fine. I mean Tristan Wirfs is very good left tackle. Nobody else is really of of note yeah but the eagles i, defense, I will say rashad uh, rashad yeah. white they're running back he's he's came on since uh week three i think he's he you know they they trust him more it seems like as the season's gone on he's and he's not like a world beater he's no uh uh i'm forgetting what what's the <laughs> the cardinals running back connor what's his name He's no James Conner, <laughs> um, but he, he's decent. He's he's not a nobody. Um, but yeah, like Baker Mayfield, I, <laughs> you know, the Eagles made Tyrod Taylor look like a Pro Bowler last week. Um, the week before, Kyler Murray had a really good game. I, I think that did get lost in the shuffle. That like, Kyler Murray looked pretty good especially without Marquise Brown. But, like, man, I, I know that you say, like, you don't you don't really put, you don't really care too much about the Eagles' defense because they're just kind of, like, hopeless. But, like, we got to see something. You, you, it can't just, it can't just yeah. be a clown show for half the game. Like, I'm sorry, Matt Patricia, like, well, what are you doing during the week? It it does it seems like you're just confusing your defensive players. Like they're not they're not ready. They're not getting the call in in time. They're not they're, getting they're dropping Reddick back into yeah, coverage. Yeah, dropping you're, you're dropping your best thing. rusher off the line. Your your players aren't getting lined up for the snap. It's it's just a mess. Like and they're and they're they're blitzing like Kevin Byard from like way too yeah, far back. I mean, I'm not an X's and O's guy, but. Uh, but to your point about Rashad White in his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games, he's rushed for over fifty yards in all but two. So five out of the last seven, um, and a couple of those in the hundred, a hundred yard game, a hundred two yard game, eighty nine yard uh, against Carolina. He had seventy five yards on nineteen carries. Uh, he had two touchdowns receiving in that span and two rushing touchdowns in that span. So, and definitely a factor. And in regards to the Eagles' run defense, like that, that's been uh, a really a sore subject lately. And I this does tie in the dropping Reddick into coverage. Matt Patricia, like, uh, let me, let's start with that. Desai did do five-man fronts he didn't do them a lot but like it was it was a thing he would go to occasionally 
for stopping the run. And in that, you know, you bring your three defensive tackles um, up front. It seems like Matt Patricia really likes the five-man front, and it doesn't even seem to be that effective. Like, you know, we, we saw what happened against the Cardinals with James Conner. Like, he wasn't really bothered by that. And when you do have the five-man front, you tend to drop one of your uh, your edge guys just to have a guy out in the flat. Like, you can't just really have one linebacker in the middle of the field. Like, your middle is completely exposed. So I I, I would like to see them just kind of, you know, do four-man front. I know, I know their linebackers have been a forever flaw on the team, but, like, would you rather have Reddick dropping into coverage or would you rather have... You know, I don't know, one of your other linebackers in coverage. Like, I would rather have one of the other linebackers in coverage just to have Hassan Reddick rushing the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you're setting yourself up with a better chance of a, at least a QB pressure, even if you have a worse coverage guy. I mean, I, I don't even know how good Hassan Reddick is at coverage. I, I remember his first season, that was a, that was a big debate whether they should drop him or not. And, uh, it, it, I mean, last year is obviously should rush the quarterback every play. So the, the defensive line has been non, a non-factor for at least half the season this year. And, you know, most of the season you can say, oh, or we'll, we'll see how the next few games go, this or that. Like, this is how the team is this year and the the d-line is not effective they're middle of the pack they're not reliable to to affect a game in in the way that they did last year and i don't know if that's because jordan davis is not has not developed uh if jalen carter is tired and not used to playing this much if they're playing too many snaps if nolan smith like is too much of a project that he can't cycle in if Brandon Graham's lost a step. Like Josh Sweat hasn't had a sack in like nine or ten games. I I don't know what's wrong with all these players. Like I I, I don't know if it's scheme or what or what. I mean, some of the players mentioned how uh, you know similar to when Jonathan Gannon uh, was hired or when the coaching staff. Uh, sorry, uh, when the coaching staff, the whole coaching staff was hired, and. I think Fletcher Cox said something about how uh, there's different terminology and different like philosophy in this stuff. And it just takes a while to learn it. And some of them felt frustrated or whatever it was with Gannon, but eventually like they learned it and they were one of the best defenses in the league uh, uh, last year. And they came up again when they switched from Desai to Patricia and Patricia has been worse. And I don't know if that's because Patricia's worse than Desai or just because they have to learn a whole new, a whole new thing or a new style and get used to a new defensive coordinator essentially so that i think was just like at the time it was like sure but uh i know i didn't think about the the long-term effect of having a, a new person in charge calling plays and having different preferences and that kind of thing yeah, like i didn't think the bottom in, could drop in, out in like hindsight like that was a stupid thing to do right. uh you know, I, I get you need a change or a spark or something, but it seems like 
it, it just completely ruined the defense by doing mm-hmm. that. And I, I, I don't know. I, I, I still have absolutely no faith in, in the Eagles defense. And I think, you know, the Cardinals game broke me. I mean, the, the, the Eagles got one stop and it was the pick six and Kyler basically threw that up for Sidney Brown to, to catch. It was, a it was uh, on the receiver basically messing up a route. It wasn't on the Eagles playing good defense and they didn't punt. They didn't force a punt once. Right. And uh, I don't know how many punts they forced against the giants, but uh, it was, it was probably like two or something like that. I mean, the, the Eagles defense is very bad and you know, DVOA, they're 29th in the league right now. And that's, you know, their top 10 offense, they're 10, they're the top special teams uh, team in the league. But that defense has pulled them down to 14 overall, and the Buccaneers are only 18th overall. So, the, you know, the, the def- it's not a championship defense, obviously, but I don't even know if it's a, a serviceable defense. Like, if if you're on offense and the and you know the defense can't get a stop for four straight quarters or maybe you can bank on two stops that's a lot of pressure to put on the offense right and then players start pressing and this and that so i don't really know what the answer is like you could blame howie you could blame desai or or patricia or nick or, or the players or whatever it is but the defense is obviously not working and this has been this way since I don't know when the 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 Bills game like the Chiefs game was their last good defensive game they shut the Chiefs out in the second half I don't even know how that happened right the Bills game was bad they gave up like 31 points and ever since they haven't like the Bills broke them or something like that I don't know I mean they they played all those snaps they played into overtime they played three games in 13 days. Uh, there's something with the defense that's just like off. And they either need to get younger or more talent or a different play caller or something like that. I, I, I don't know. The The defense is completely ruined right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I do think I, they're in line I don't know what the answer is. a bit of a remodel on defense. Which is yeah. okay so the, because the, this is why the I, offense should be relatively turnkey, whether that's for Nick returning with some changes or somebody brand new. Mm-hmm. Like, I do think this is a tantalizing offense. It just it needs the right keys. I, I think all the parts, you know, the engine's looking good. I think Jalen Hurts, like, there's some stuff that he needs to clean up. He's not free of blame. But I think a lot of coaches would be lining up to have, uh, Hertz, Devontae Smith, AJ Brown, that offensive line, even if Kelsey's not returning, like they're good. They haven't been playing like it, which makes it maddening, yeah. but we know they got the building blocks. Not even the building blocks. They're they're top of the league offense. You know, they're just despite how frustrating they've been this year, they're you know, you just said they're tenth. And I, I think that's with a lot of that there's a ton of room for improvement there. So um, now let's. They should be the best or top two offenses in the league, for one. And 
Um, lost my train of thought. Oh, there was an article, I think some somewhere in the middle of the season that was saying like some of the offensive struggles are due to Jalen hunting the big play. And the question was, is that on Jalen or is that on Nick? And Nick's one of Nick's coaching philosophies, I think this was in the article, was um, that they they preach the big play. They they, they it's like a offensive philosophy to to have a big play to be extremely explosive and have you know five four or five play drives that go 75 yards yeah and i mean on its face that that's that's pretty obvious that's been to their detriment this year yeah i think it's you know don't it shouldn't be the big play in despite of everything it should just be like yeah Get the big well, play. That, that seems to be that <laughs> yeah, way. Right. I know in practice it feels it that way. It seems to be that way this year. All right, so let's talk about the so, uh, the defense yeah. that will be going up against this Eagles offense. And um, at the at the helm of this Bucks defense, Todd Bowles, um, longtime defensive mind, you know, way back when, coached with the Eagles, um, but he, he's. He's been with the Buccaneers the past few years, um, notably in 2021. The Eagles went up against the Buccaneers in the same wild card matchup, and that was the game that left a lot of question marks for Jalen Hurts, and that was uh, because Todd Bowles had a really good game plan, um, and we know he still likes to blitz. That's been a big point of, uh, you know, that's been a big talking point this week considering what happened last week with Wink Martindale. So I do th- I do think maybe silver lining is that uh, the Eagles got a lot of tape last week to review about how they failed to handle the blitz. Um, now that's not to say that Todd Bowles isn't going to be showing them different looks and different blitzes. Like they're going to have to be prepared for a lot. But um, hey, at least last week you got to see a lot of it and you got to fail at a lot of it. So... Hopefully that's what they've been drilling all week long and what they'll continue to work on this week because uh, that, that's that's a pretty big part of this Bucks defense. He's not shy to blitz. Uh, but as far as the players up front, you got Kalijah Kansi. Um, I believe he's a rookie out of Pittsburgh. Vita Vea, long-time defensive tackle, run stuffer, but he can move some bodies up front. Uh, Yaya Diaby, he's their... Uh, linebacker he's he's leading the team in sacks he's got seven and a half so uh not like an outstanding sack leader but he can get to the quarterback uh Devin White and Levante David those two have been roaming the middle for a long time for the Buccaneers still got uh Shaq Barrett he's not what he used to be but you know he's still got some moves and the other guy that I would say like Antoine Winfield Jr., safety for the Buccaneers, he's like their big playmaker. Um, he gets he gets his hand on the ball a lot. He makes a lot of big plays. I think he's like think of him as the Bucks like Buda Baker. He's he's a star safety in the making. So I think if there's a guy who's making a play, getting a turnover, it's I wouldn't be surprised if it's him. So Jalen's got to be careful. 
Um, but other than that, like the the Bucks secondary, like they they can be thrown on. They do give up uh, some big plays on offense. I think if AJ Brown is healthy to go, which he didn't practice today, I have like it, it seems like reading between the lines that the injury isn't as serious as it first looked on uh, last Sunday. Like, to me, I was like, oh, crap. Like, are we going to have A.J. Brown next year? Like, that's what it kind of looked like. So it is good to hear that there's a possibility that he can play. My gut says, you know, this is a playoff game. If he can go, you're going. So even if he's not 100, I I think he's gearing up for it. And Devontae Smith, he's back practicing in a full capacity. That's good to hear. So I think those two and Jalen, like, they'll have their chance to get downfield. So I'm hoping that this offense can get back on schedule. Um, But, you know, (laughs) it's hard to get too off for this because we we saw what uh, happened last week against the Giants, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it'll come down to the run game just because of the uh, the weather. I mean, right now it's uh, thunderstorms late. It says 64 degrees, 78% chance of rain for Monday night in Tampa. So I, I think it's going to be an ugly game. I mean, it, in some ways it's kind of lucky because of Jalen's hand and you know you don't like to throw the ball in pouring rain so that could be a minor positive I know they're they're secondary solid they they have good but uh aging you know linebackers there the the d-line's not as good as it was a couple years ago it's it's hard to talk about you know opposing defenses because last year it was like oh yeah if this defense is not top five the Eagles are scoring all over them so now it's it's unclear I mean especially with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith banged up you know is it going to be a Dallas Goddard game is is Swift going to have a big game um I, I think, in theory, it's there to be had against this defense. I mean, this this team is not that good. It's a 9-18 and 18 that barely won the division. Yeah, they, so, last week, they beat the Panthers 9 nothing. <laughs> so, no touchdowns, all field yep. goals. Um, Panthers made it a close so game. So, it's, it's definitely there to be had, but the way the Eagles have been playing, un, unclear. Unclear what will happen. Uh, Any other uh, notes on the the roster? Uh, just worth pointing out that Swift had like a great game. He had 130 rushing yards on 16 carries in Week Three. Yeah, uh, that was like the last time yeah, that the was Eagles the second of his like three really. Yeah, good that was like the last time this Eagles running offensive game plan looked like the 2022 version of it. So like we got a glimpse of it. They have all their starting offensive linemen this week, assuming that Jurgens is good to go. 
And you know, Swift, I mean, he's he's coming he's coming in with fresh legs. And it's if it's going to be a rain game, like, all right, let's have a game, DeAndre. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see with that. I I have no uh, I have no comment on on how I think the Eagles will play until my predictions. Okay. Um, let's I guess just go through portions of the injury report that we didn't get to just yet. But uh, you know, it's Thursday. This was the first day of uh this report because they're playing on Monday, so this is obviously subject to change a lot. Um Jalen Hurts limited. He said prior to practice today he didn't throw a ball since Sunday. But everything is progressing. I think like he's obviously going to be playing. It's going to be whether or not he can throw the ball well, which I think is a question considering the weather, considering, you know, having a a junked up middle finger on your throwing hand. So I think there's concern there, but like, at least for me, it's more, more on the mild side. What do you, you know, what's your concern level on that finger? I mean, he hasn't thrown since Sunday, so I I don't really know what to think. I think it will affect him. I I don't think that he won't be able to grip a ball, but I think it'll probably affect his accuracy. It might affect how often they, they throw the ball. It might affect how deep he can throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I think that the weather might be, uh, if they win, it'll be a mask to how it truly is affecting uh-huh. them if, if they're not going to, you know, I, throw the ball deep in, in that weather. I do think the Eagles should make Tanner McKee active. Like, I don't think they should reserve him as the emergency quarterback. I kind of wish they did that last week, too, because... I wasn't really excited to see Mariota <laughs> as the backup. I think in a playoff game, if uh, bad gets to worse and Jalen's finger is holding him back from being, a, you know, a playable quarterback, I, I would hate to have another option just sitting there waiting to be unlocked on another injury. But you know, that, that's that's getting a little ahead of. Uh, catastrophe there but um, Covey limited with a groin injury I'm hoping that's like precaution because I think he's been one of the few like uh, bright spots on the team Devontae we mentioned he's back Darius Slay he's back practiced in full that's that's great to see Um, you know it's been a long time I know he's been recovering from that surgery so glad to see he's back practicing in full and then we mentioned DeAndre Bucks. I think the only thing of uh, note is Baker. He's still expected to play. Um, if I recall correctly, I think Baker's time to release is really good. And that's obviously to the Eagles. <laughs> that should be um, kind of danger for the Eagles' defensive line. But nonetheless... The Eagles are road favorites, three by three points. 
Uh, I believe that opened up at one and a half point favorites, so it's grown a little bit. Do you take that as a sign of optimism? No. No, not at all? Do you think the Eagles shouldn't be favored? I think it's... I think Eagles minus three is correct. I think it's a, it's a pick 'em. Well, that's it's not a pick 'em. That would be, um, that would be the Bucks minus three. Buccaneers minus right, three because they're the home team. I think it should be Eagles one and a half. It's not a pick 'em, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, shall we get into potentially our last predictions of the 2023 season? Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll kick us off with the with a jolt of optimism here, and that is, I am expecting Dallas Goddard to have a good day, for none other reason than I want to start this with a with a bit of uh, positivity. Um, now I think. I'm hoping A.J. Brown is ready to go, uh, but who knows? I think maybe he's he could be a decoy. He could be on a snap count. Uh, so whether he's there or not, I think that opens up the door to Dallas Goddard to have um, you know more targets than he would in a in a regular game. But uh, yeah, give me give me Dallas Goddard two touchdowns. That's uh, that's pretty optimistic. Uh, okay, I'll I'll go less optimistic, but still positive. Um, and I my my predictions a random, non-star touchdown for the Eagles. Give me a Zacchaeus touchdown for the Eagles. Okay. Um, give me Jalen Hurts throws the ball fewer than 15 times. I think given the weather, given the finger, um, I think likely leaning on Swift and the offensive line to shrink the window of the defense being on the field, I think those all point to uh, Jalen Hurts having a minimized uh game plan as far as throwing the ball you know I, I think the eagles will try to play it not safe but they'll be strategic in running the ball running the clock keeping the chains moving so and we, we've seen lines from jalen like that i don't think he threw the ball that many times in the Cardinals game, mostly because the defense couldn't get off the field, but you know that could happen in this game too. <laughs> yeah, uh, my second prediction, a lot, sort of along those lines. The uh, as as this is a rushing prediction, it will be a pull your hair out type game watching the Eagles lead rusher be Kenny Gainwell, not DeAndre Swift, hmm. with 14 carries and 75 yards rushing. 
Okay, I'm, I'm trying to do the yards per carry on that. That's like... I think you just divide them. Right, but that's not a, that's not a clean number. <laughs> Can you tell me what 75 divided by 14 is? 75 divided by 14 is 5.35 yards per carry if you round up 5.36. Okay, so I mean that wouldn't even be bad. I mean it's not like, you know, it's not amazing, but we've seen worse from Kenny. But I would be concerned about him outgaining DeAndre. All right, my third and final one here, uh, taking a time machine going back to week three. Uh, this was kind of one of the best, one of the first big sp splash plays from Jalen Carter, and that was he forced a fumble on Rashad White, who caught a pass from Baker Mayfield. It's kind of like, wow, like, you know, great awareness great tackling he really like really really rocked him <laughs> it was kind of like oh boy is he okay do we need to get a stretcher uh so that was that was kind of you know one of the big um welcome to the league moments for jalen carter and i am remaining optimistic here and saying that on monday he forces a fumble from baker mayfield okay um, my final prediction, sort of a random outcome, uh, like your, uh, Trey Greenlaw gets a personal foul prediction. Kyle Trask will play a snap in the first half, mm. at least one snap in the first half. Okay. And we're talking, uh. I don't know if he's a placeholder, but we're talking offensive snap here, just just for the record. Yeah, he will be the quarterback in a snap for Baker Mayfield. Okay. At least one in the first half. Uh-oh, at least one. I can't imagine what that would be. But maybe it's just Baker takes a hard hit, goes to the locker room early. Okay. Yeah, I mean, his ribs. He's got sore ribs. That That's like a, that's like a prop bet. <laughs> prediction <laughs> all right well um i kind of already talked about my player of the game and that's dallas goddard two touchdowns yeah i think he's you know it's kind of funny he was the guy who said this week that he felt the team was just kind of sitting around and waiting for the playoffs and i think that could be taken two very different ways. You know, you could say that that's an excuse or you could say that is like, um, you know, letting the guard down and it's a momentary pause of honesty because <laughs> it really does seem like that's what the team's done this year. Um, and if, if we're to take him at his word, which we have done that. Then that means Chad Ochocinco is correct. <laughs> well... I, it does seem like Chad, o, Chad Ochocinco is saying that they schemed this. Well, I think what, reading into Dallas's comments, I think he was saying like, uh, you know, you know how we, you know how it happens. Like he made it sound like it was like more like, uh, like procrastination. Like, uh, you know, we were just kind of like, 
you know, we know it wasn't good, but like, here's what happened. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I guess to some degree I'm subscribing to what Ocho Cinco is saying. Not really, but yeah. All right. Um, my player of the game, I don't know if I'm allowed to do this. Can I make a guess? Big yeah. Dom. Uh, that would, that would be good. Uh, well, that's, that's another, if if my, my play of the game was going to be Chris Godwin. Oh. If I'm allowed to do an opposing player. Interesting. I don't think we've done that this year, but, um, but I'm I'm intrigued. That would be a good Eagle, Eagle prediction is big Dom as he can now return to the sideline. But I think, um, the, Buccaneers receivers will give the Eagles defense issues and I think Chris Godwin will have a, a big game for the Buccaneers. Okay. Sad, but I'll allow it. Give him a touchdown and uh, over 100 yards receiving. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to pick him. Uh, we didn't really talk too much about Mike Evans here and I feel like if you're going to talk about Chris Godwin I'll say like Mike Evans is you know he's I don't know what their what the cornerback plan is there I would imagine they'd have Darius Slay uh shadow Mike Evans obviously there's this the big size disparity you would like to see somebody bigger like James Bradbury cover Mike Evans but Mike Evans can still run and sadly we've seen that James Bradbury cannot so yes, I think yeah, so that's why I have uh, Chris Godwin. That's why I have Chris Godwin. What do you think? Um, do, what do you think they do with Ringo now? Do they try to deploy him in a in any sort of interesting way? It doesn't seem like uh, Avante's. Did they have? Was, did James Bradbury play in the slot? week three because of Maddox's injury um do you think they would go back to that I don't know (laughs) who knows I'm not sure if Matt Patricia yeah uh... well I mean I guess they have Roby I guess they have Roby now I don't know yeah I don't know what they do with Ringo I, I I would think that if Bradbury's getting cooked, they would just easily put Ringo in there and see who does better. Do you think they would try, and this is assuming Blankenship isn't ready to go, which again, I'm leaning more hopeful and I'm... I don't think they'd put either of them at safety, if that's what you're asking. Well, I was going to say Avante. Put Avante back there with Bayard. Um... And then in the slot, you could have uh, Roby, which, you know, I'm not Bradbury. sure. Roby, yeah. Well, I, I think you still got to put Bradbury out there on the outside. It'll be interesting. <laughs> All right. Uh, my score prediction, again, Eagles three-point favorites on the road. Give me Eagles 27, Buccaneers 23 of the Eagles so just win. covering and winning and advancing to who knows where, but they survive. Probably San Francisco. 
Uh, my final score prediction, Tampa Bay, 17, Eagles, 13. Hmm. Tough one. Another disappointing loss to a disappointing season. But heads will not roll because a four-point loss will keep Nick in as head coach. Now, you <clears throat> kind of alluded to it already. I know that the likely outcome is the Eagles going to the 49ers, but if either of the wild card teams pulls off an upset, and that's the... Let's see, that is... Packers. Packers. And the Rams. At Cowboys. Or the Rams. And the Rams. Yeah. At Lions. And I don't think either of those feel like they're long shots. I feel like those are two like, yeah, pesky wild card teams. I mean, the Rams are a solid team. Rams are pesky. Packers, I don't know. I mean, that would be an all-time collapse for the Cowboys, but the Cowboys are undefeated at home this year. I just think... I, I feel like the Cowboys are going to roll until they have to go on the road to San Francisco. So do you th- assuming that will happen? So if the if the Rams do pull off the upset, they'll be going to the 49ers. Eagles go to Dallas. Eagles and Dallas. So is it, and then if if the Eagles win and the Packers win, they'll be going to Detroit. Right? If the Eagles win and the Packers beat the Cowboys, then, and the Lions beat the Rams, then yeah, the Eagles will go to Detroit. And so, is is that the the same outcome if both underdogs win? I'm if, trying to do like well, the, the Eagles are the highest. The Eagles are the highest road seed. Mm-hmm. So any home team to lose, the 49ers will play that opponent. And I, who would you uh, who would you prefer to face of the um, in the event one of the wild card teams wins? Like what? I mean, I guess I'd rather. I mean, I I think they have no shot at beating the Cowboys in Dallas, so. The Lions. And what's our path to that happening aside from the Eagles winning? The Eagles win and the Packers win, and the Lions win. Right. Then it would be three verse five and one verse seven. All right. Well, let's go pack. Go. It's it's go pack go, not let's go pack. <laughs> let's go pack go. You know, don't don't you don't you fi, fi, follow Joel Embiid? Hey, I, I never guy. claimed to be a cheesehead. All right. We'll be back after the wild card Monday night game. Eagles, Tampa Bay Bucks, and I, I have nothing else to say. We'll see you on the other side. For Mike, I'm Ian. Thanks for listening. <laughs>